Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Emily. And we are the voices of Tarbis. In a nutshell, we travel to different historical places and events and we blog about them. But we wanted to try a different medium, so we're branching out into podcasts. Each week we'll have a chat about different periods of history, important events and extraordinary people in one way or another. And we'll round it all off with a relevant, ridiculous death. So, sit back, grab a drink and enjoy Tarbis After Hours. This week we are talking about a revolution. Now, this specific revolution and the country's revolution, um, there's been more than one. Um, But we've decided to start with the 1905 Russian Revolution. The Russians have had a few over the time. But we thought if we'll start and do mainly just the 1905 and the Bloody Sunday Revolutions, Mm -hmm. because it is possibly the most well-known and the one that we have a lot of information on. So you may hear paper rustling, but they are our A-level notes back from, I don't want to say because I feel really old. A a very short time ago. Yeah, Yeah. it definitely, definitely wasn't 2005. No. Oh, ouch. So, today we're talking the 1905 Revolution and Bloody Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Bloody Sunday occurred on the 22nd of January and was technically the beginning of the 1905 revolution. It was the spark. Mm -hmm. It was catalyst beforehand, which we'll get into, but the spark that ignited the Russian revolution in 1905 was Bloody Sunday. So first, uh, we need to go through some context. Um, There'd been some unrest in Russia for for quite some time. Um, The Russians seem to have this weird knack for assassinating czars that were good for them (laughs) and leaving the ones that were bad for them in power. So, for example, Alexander II, he emancipated the serfs, got assassinated. Nicholas II, he he is a czar at this point in 1905. He wasn't wasn't that great. Um, There was opposition to the czars at that time in the late... This we're talking late 1900s... uh, Late 19th century, sorry, early 20th century... Um, when his dad Alexander III died suddenly Nicholas wasn't that prepared to become the Tsar he even professed as much he didn't want the job um, and he he was quite inadequate at it and his inadequacies have been well documented let's yeah. be honest yeah there's no shock to saying that Tsar Nicholas II wasn't the best Tsar no I mean by all accounts he was he was a nice guy very devoted to his wife very devoted to his family yeah he had pictures everywhere even in the toilet he had family photographs in the toilet. That's a bit weird. I wouldn't want my family watching me pee. Or poop. You had to go there. I did. Don't make jokes like that. It defaces us all. You were thinking it. I was not, actually. But thank you for thank you for putting that out there. Um, he was unable to make decisions Yeah. by himself. Um, another thing he relied quite heavily on his wife for, she, she guided him a lot. And people didn't like that because she was a foreigner, wasn't she? Yeah. In Germany or Austria. Um, yeah, she people didn't like that. Um, he wasn't willing to engage in politics. He didn't even read government reports. Um, he lacked organisational skills. He, um, he he was even described by a cabinet minister, and this is quite funny and it's really harsh, as uh, being unable or unfit to run a village post office. Oh, that that's that's a harsh comment. Yeah, I mean, he he was very obstinate. Mm. He was also anti-Semitic, 
Um, he hated the Jews. He encouraged pogroms um, and attacks on Jewish settlements. And uh, he used right-wing parliamentary gangs called the Black Hundreds for that. So, you know, not only was he alienating his own people, but he was alienating pockets of, of foreign people within his country. So he wasn't doing a great job. He wasn't. But it wasn't just um, the Tsar that were, had issues in the uh, early 20th centuries leading up to the revolution Russia itself was known as a very backward country at the time Mm. um, mainly because it was being compared um, to industrialised countries so backwards as in not going forward with um, industrial modernisation sort of things such as um, the USA, Germany Britain, France they were drastically different and um, he realised that they needed to change, he needed to modernise Russia to mm. bring it up. Um, the Tsar and the ruling elite, because in Russia at the time there was two poles. Mm-hmm. There was the Tsar and the elite and the peasants. There wasn't much in the middle. Um, but the Tsar and the ruling elite had the power and they wanted to make a play or make the country um, a major role in the world stage. Yeah, They wanted to bring Russia up there with Germany, Britain, USA. And to do this, they obviously knew that they needed military power. Yeah, And to get military power, they needed a strong industry and a strong industrial base to provide weapons, ships, that sort of thing. And um, otherwise, that just wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't happen. Um, and so at this time, they obviously were quite behind on the industry side but also it was a very poor country at this time and their agriculture was it was inefficient and they were still using outdated and traditional methods Mm -hmm. such as strip farming right and because of this and a population boom um it grew 50 percent between just 1860 and 1899 russia's already a massive country so the concept of their their population growing 50 percent over is it's beyond comprehension it is and that led to hundreds and thousands of peasants starving and because of having little to lose Mm -hmm. there was uprisings um and there there was revolts yeah so um the czar had quite a lot to deal with really and being inequipped to do it really um and he thought that modernizing russia then would pose a serious threat to the czarist regime it would be difficult to maintain the industry the institutions of czarist autocracy at the time so he knew what he needed to do he knew what he wanted to do but then part of him didn't want to do it because he quite liked being the czar and well not being the czar but having the power having the money having the parties plus it was the tradition of it like going all all the way back you know it's an unbroken line of romanovs yeah so it's uh it was the tradition of the principle behind it as well so yeah you can sort of see why he didn't want to he didn't want to give that up yeah so um then i believe somebody had an idea on what they might be able to do to uh bring Russia into the world stage. Yeah, this is where his finance minister, um, Sergei Witt, who was finance minister from uh, 1892 to 1903, um, he thought that he was the one to come up with the answer. Um, He wanted to build more industry and develop the railways, and to do this he borrowed money from foreign countries, mainly France, um, and this came with interest. 
and in order to combat the interest he then raised peasant tax and tax the things that they used every day so things like salt, alcohol, kerosene, basically their, their everyday essentials and um, he sold surplus grains abroad which not a great idea considering the population is growing that surplus grain isn't necessarily surplus. Um, his hope was that he would squeeze the peasants just enough but before it got to the stage where it was too much um, Russia would be it would be wealthier at that point and you know things would be on, on the up again like serious austerity measures at a time when austerity was was not the way forward um, it did work until 1902 um, and there was an industrial slump in Russia and that meant that they couldn't sell um, they couldn't sell um, their products and things so thousands of people lost their jobs there were strikes and protests in most of the cities and then they were hit with bad harvests as well so it's kind of everything all happening at once and peasants were pushed to starvation between 1902 and 1904 there were sporadic uprisings Um, landowners homes were looted and burnt the government's reaction was to use force which not not none of the sense no i mean you'd sort of you understand why they'd want to get control quickly, but it wasn't a smart move, to be honest with you. And um, they tried to they tried to suppress the disturbances. Um, and in the midst of all this, Nicholas he turpined. Oh dear. Yeah, going back to last week, he turpined. Um, he decided that he was going to divert the attention by starting a war with the Japanese. Of course, I mean. Pff- why not? Because his military wasn't stretched thin enough by starvation and economic slump and uprisings everywhere else. Um, it just made things worse. They um, it, it caused a shortage of goods, it raised prices. Um, they didn't do well in the war at all. I mean, the, the idea was that Japan being a much smaller country, it was also inferior to the Russians. Like, the Japanese people were inferior to the Russians. Anyone who's ever met anyone Japanese, it's not good to underestimate them. No. Not even remotely. Um, but Russia did hugely, and they just... It, it was a military catastrophe, to be honest with you. Um, it led to growing dissatisfaction with the government, it led to pressure to reform, and then pressure and tension built up towards the end of 1904. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, then, we've got the beginning of 1905. Yes, so 1905, um, obviously we've said that there was catalysts Mm -hmm. to this revolution, the Russia-Japanese War, they also lost Port Arthur Mm -hmm. due to this in January 1905, and the the Tsars and the government seemed incompetent. Mm -hmm. So unrest um, was quite strife in Russia. So, the spark to the revolution... On the 22nd of January 1905 in St. Petersburg, there was um, more than 3,000 people, um, strikers, workers and their families. They were led by Father Gregory Gabon. Mm -hmm. Um, They gathered at six points of the industrial outskirts of St. Petersburg. Mm -hmm. Um, A big group of them, they were all marching peacefully. Mm -hmm towards the Winter Palace, which is the Tsar's main residence. This is official residence in Russia. It's good to know at this point that they didn't know the Tsar wasn't home. Okay. They thought the Tsar was there. And they had a petition um, that they wanted to um, stop the war, um, stop the taxes. 
And so they thought the peaceful march, so peaceful that they were carrying religious icons and singing hymns, mainly God Save the Tsar. Irony. Yes, at this point, if you can imagine, you've got 3,000 people peacefully marching towards St. Petersburg, singing hymns, religious relics, led by a father. What could go wrong? The government opened fire and killed over a 1,000 people. That could go wrong. That went exponentially wrong. That that escalated so quickly. Yeah, the government forces literally opened fire onto the crowds of people. And there has been different reports over the years. Mm. Uh, the official one at the time, the Tsarist report at the time, said just 49 people died. Mm. Unofficially... The other side, anti-Zara, said 4,000 people had died. Mm. But the most common estimate is 1,000 people were killed or wounded in that day in the morning. Well, it, it makes sense, because if they opened fire and then everyone would panic, they'd run, people would then get crushed. It, it would just... It would snowball, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, there was... That day followed, there was looting and um, panic, more uprisings everything Mm -hmm. in backlash to this thus beginning the 1905 revolution um it's important to note that at this point Tsar nicholas ii he didn't give the order right and he wasn't even there but he was wildly widely widely blamed for the events of bloody sunday um his absence from the city on that day and a few days afterwards um obviously reflected a lack of imagination mm-hmm. and it was against advice like some of his officials were like you should probably go back to the winter palace you should go show your face and everything he didn't yeah. but we've already said he wasn't fab at you know mm-hmm. life and uh yeah and their wild reaction from that day was we no longer have a czar yeah, this is this is kind of where it all starts to go wrong for the Romanovs, isn't it? I think um, um, you've actually... Haven't you found a, a copy of the petition that they were carrying? Yeah, I have. Um, as we said, the, they were they were peaceful protest and there was nothing that w- should have worried the Tsar that there was going to be any sort of violence. Mm-hmm. This is the actual petition that they carried, OK? Oh, sire... We working men and inhabitants of St. Petersburg, our wives, our children and our parents, helpless and aged women and men, have come to you, our ruler, in search of justice and protection. We are beggars, we are oppressed and overburdened with work. We are insulted. We are not looked on as human beings but as slaves. The moment has come for us when death would be better than the prolongation of our intolerable sufferings. We are seeking here our last salvation. Do not refuse to help your people. Destroy the wall between yourself and your people. That's eloquent and respectful. Yeah, none of that could be considered to be a call for political overhaul. It was merely a plea for Nicholas to hear hear the call of help from his people. Yeah, it's basically like, you are our father, listen to us. Yep, and that's uh, that's what the people of Bloody Sunday wanted. And it ended with uh, lots of death and a revolution. Good going there, Nick. Turpinned. Yep, massively. Um, I mean, he 
he was essentially for for the most part of 1905 he was more or less at war with his own people from that point on um there was an endless series of strikes there were demonstrations barricades position petitions um political meetings and pretty much everybody joined um, joined in the protest there was workers students civil servants teachers doctors even imperial ballet dancers went on strike Wow. So pretty much every every walk of life except except the Tsar and his government really. Um they were all demanding reforms in light of the the way that the Tsar and his government had handled it, had handled the economy, had handled the Russo Japanese war. Um they wanted a representative government and elections. And um the national majority, so your Finns, your Poles, um wanted independence, your Jews wanted equal rights, equal civil rights. Yeah. Um, considering they had next to no civil rights, that's a that's a fair fair cop really. Mm-hmm. Um, the wo- the workers started to form new organisations in a lot of the towns and cities called Soviets. Word ring a bell. Hmm. <laughs> um, the Soviets then coordinated strikes. Um, they they weren't like proper organisations. They were they were quite loose. Um, and it was mostly like workers' councils, kind of unions representing factories. Um. And the most important of them all was the St. Petersburg Soviet. And that uh, that was quite a... They, they gained a lot of power and eventually were able to threaten the government. Um, and a popular and important figure in the Soviet was Leon Trotsky. Okay. Um, things got worse and worse. And then in October 1905, everything sort of came to a peak. And there was a general strike spread throughout the major cities of Russia, which effectively brought the country to a standstill. Um, the it Nicholas basically had to do something. He he had to. He had a choice. He would either use force and bloodshed, and potentially create more problems for himself, like he did back in Bloody Sunday, even though that wasn't him technically. Um, or he could make concessions. What he did was he went down the concessions route, and he gave the October Manifesto issued on the thirtieth of October. 1905 and in this manifesto he promised that they would set up a parliament or a duma it was called which would be elected by the people to represent their views and interests um he would grant the freedom of speech and conscience as part of civil rights um he would give the people the right to form political parties and grant an end to press censorship Considering like the uh, the opinions of the people at the time and the anger and everything, maybe the press censorship wasn't the best idea. Possibly not. Mm. No. Um. But then after this, um, the middle classes they were worried by the growing in unrest and violence. Still, um, swung back to the side of the Tsar. Right. Okay. So he had the upper classes and the middle classes now as support, and just the peasants yeah. against him. Yeah. Okay. Um, the October Manifesto had given them what they'd wanted. Um, obviously, they they wanted some views. They wanted their opinions heard. They wanted taxes um, reduced, which mm-hmm. all happened. So they 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 got what they wanted. But now they wanted to see restoration of law and order, which isn't actually it's not a horrible thing to ask. No, not wanting at all. a little bit of law and order back. Um, but by this time, these are had also. Um, had the disposal of soldiers returning from the Russia-Japanese war. Right, okay. So this is still, Bloody Sunday in the 1905 revolution was still happening while he was also trying to do a war, a war 
in Japan. So he's essentially fighting at home, <clears throat> fighting abroad, like fighting on two fronts. Yeah. So um, that ended in the September. Right. So obviously, as a fair, as you heard, um, the bloody Sunday was January, October manifesto, October, mm-hmm. but the Russia-Japanese war didn't end until the September. Okay. So there's quite a lot of unrest. Um, but he made sure that they received all their back pay and improved the conditions of the service so that they stayed loyal. Right, okay, that that was a good that was a good move. I mean, keep your army on side. Yeah. And I think it's good that he gave them back pay. It shows that he was actually possibly listening. Yeah. Yeah. And um so Nicholas now felt that he was in a position to reassert control. Ah. Yeah. Um he used force mm. to crush the St Petersburg Soviet and the Soviet movement in other cities. There was a particularly nasty struggle in Moscow where the uh, Soviet was suppressed uh, quite violently. Right. Um, then he turned his forces onto the peasants and brought the countryside under control, although it took most of 1906 to do this. So basically everything that he'd promised in the in the October Manifesto, Yeah. aside from the Duma, because they, they did set, set that up, didn't they, the, the local parliament, Yeah. Um, pretty much everything else he reneged on. Yep. So he's like, yeah, sure, you can have this, you can have this, you can have this, stop writing, it's perfectly fine, ha. Yeah, pretty much, that's pretty much exactly what he did. Oh. So, the whole Russian Revolution in 1905, I personally think it was pointless on both sides. It, it could have been avoided. If Definitely, if he'd just listened to Bloody Sunday because everything leading up to Bloody Sunday mm. wasn't good for the obviously the non-elite the non-czarists they were squeezed of all their money mm-hmm. lost all their jobs they were starving while they could see the czars and the elite just living it up living the life of Riley knowing that this czar was also quite incompetent they just wanted a resolution Things he could have he could have looked, he could have asked for help, because obviously he was trying to mirror um, the the industrial advances, as you say, in France, Germany, England. I mean, he he was cousins with the English king at the time. He was cousins with um, the German Kaiser at the time. He could have talked to them. He could have got, you know, got their opinion, spoke to some of their ministers, maybe had some of their ministers come over and visit as he went over, as he come over here to visit, um, and learn from them how to progress it properly without being a risk to the Tsarist regime and without what happening happened. I mean, he should have learned that an incompetent ruler squeezing his people for taxes didn't quite go so well in France and they had a revolution as a result of it. Mm-hmm. So, he, you know, and even the Americans, the American Revolution was because of squeezing taxes from a monarch as well. So, you know, he should have... He should have learnt from the history around him and from the people around him. He had all that, those resources at his disposal. He didn't use them. So 90% he is to blame. I think the actions on Bloody Sunday weren't his fault, but his reaction to them was. Yeah. He should. He could have changed. He should have um, done things slightly differently. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, from there it just sort of snowballed up until... 1917 when the the main revolution happened and the the regime was toppled yeah so until between 
the uh, 1906 and uh, the 1917 uh, Russian Revolution, we will go into that more detail in another episode yeah. because the revolutions did so much yet so little. Yeah. If that makes sense. I know it kind of didn't, but like there's so much to talk about. So much happened, but not much changed. Yeah, they just basically traded one despotic regime for another one. Yeah. It's yeah, it it's I feel for feel for the Russian people on that score. Yep. So, that in a nutshell was the 1905 Russian Revolution. It was. It I, was a quite brief, but I think we covered everything that I can kind of remember and what I apparently wrote down in 2005. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that was kind of 2005. Wow, we did that 100 years on from when it actually happened. Wow. I never realized that until now. I did not realize. Wow. On the 100th year, that shows how much attention we probably actually <laughs> paid. To be fair, we both passed away level, so I'm not really I'm not Yeah, so we both have industry level, so it's all good. It's all good. All good in the hood, which I will never say again. Sorry. So um, I believe, as it's now the end of our Russian Revolution it is. Um, segment for 1905, must say 1905 because we will be back, mm-hmm. um, we have a ridiculous death, but I believe it's more modern, but it is Russian. Yeah, we were considering a death from the time or a death from the place, so we've gone for a, a Russian guy's death. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not quite sure of the year when this happened, but we can guess it's fairly recently. Yeah. Um, a Russian guy bet two girls that he could go all night with them, relations, for Mm -hmm. $3,000. A a fair bet. In order to win, he took an ungodly amount of Viagra. A lot, a lot of Viagra. A lot of Viagra. Considering men are supposed to only need one, he took many more. Yeah. All went well for him, up until the part where his heart exploded and he died. I mean, would would that technically be autoerotic asphyxiation? Or would that just be really bad luck? (laughs) <laughs> at least he enjoyed you know at least he was enjoying himself there are worse ways to go yeah I mean we wouldn't recommend it you know don't try that at home like really don't try that at home even for yeah. $3,000 do not try yeah, that at home do not try that do not <laughs> like if you need a little bit of help one Viagra you know there's no shame in it there are no shame no judgement but no. do not take a ridiculous amount so Not even to win a win bet. Three thousand. Oh, heart exploded. That must. Oh, that was messy. You imagine those two poor girls. You wouldn't really know what to do with yourself, would you? You'd just be like, oh, what, what, what do we, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we digress any further, we're going to call it a night there. So uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll speak to you next Tuesday. <laughs>